Welcome to the Take 92 Podcast. My name is Sammy Warmhands. I am your host. And it is our third annual Top 10 Albums of the Year. Plus honorable mentions, of course. And this time, I'm going to try to be less long-winded about some of these honorable mentions. I don't know if you guys are uh, into the super, super fucking nerdy ridiculous amount of context approach that I gave before, but I made myself listen to those last two episodes before doing this, and good God, are they too long. I wanted to start out just by saying thank you to everybody who's supported my new album, Figures of Speech, and all of the shows that I have played this year. I deliberately turned down any opportunity for a headlining show, And I only played opening sets. So you may have seen me with Epic Beardman, Blueprint, DJ Abilities. I played the Whitaker Block Party. Uh, Just a number of, of really good opening slots where I was trying to play in front of different audiences instead of calling out my same crew over and over again. Um, did a lot of touring in 2017 and and I mean years past but especially 2017 and I felt like I needed a, a, a shake-up a little bit of a break before the new album you know put some put some new eyes on me so took a year off of touring did a bunch of opening sets and um, yeah shout out to not only all those artists but all those promoters who helped make that happen for me I really appreciate you And to my booking agent, Skeptic, a.k.a. Chad Porras, I really uh, appreciate you, man, even though I didn't give you hardly any business this year, despite how hard I fought to uh, become part of the DTR roster. I'm not going to let you guys down. Just had to uh, change things up a little bit. All right. With that said, the new album is out. And I've booked my first show of 2019. That sounds weird Weird to say. It feels weird to say. And uh, I'm going to be opening for one of the artists who was featured on Figures of Speech, as well as my Vacant Eyes album a few years back, Casual. He's coming back, I think I last played with him in 2014, something like that. It's been a long time. So Casual is playing at... Uh, What's it called? Like Cider Works, Wild something. I don't know. Some brewery type place uh, on the 20th of January. And uh, I just got added as local support. So it'll be myself, Ender One, and uh, a whole cast and crew that's on the, the Slap Frost Tour with Casual. So stay tuned for that. And now we're going to get into the honorable mention section, 2018 Number, uh, God, I guess we call it number 10 honorable mention, number 20 overall, is uh, Black Thought, Streams of Thought. Now, Black Thought is easily one of my top five favorite rappers, if not number one. We don't get a lot of opportunities to just hear him shine by himself. I didn't even buy the Last Roots album because he was only on like half of the songs or something. I was really disappointed with the amount of features and stuff. You got one of the greatest ever, and you're not using him. I was really excited to hear that this was coming out, and then I was pretty disappointed that 
it was uh, only for you streaming fucks. And that's, uh, I just, I don't consume music that way. I don't listen to it. And so I was able to find a, a YouTube playlist of it, um, a volume one, and he just put out volume two. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that he combines the two EPs and puts them out as a, a, a deluxe, you know, physical release so I can actually check this out and get to know it. But, um, I'm, I'm putting it on here just because I love the dude. He's one of the best at it, but I heard half of it once. So there you go. Streams of thought. Um, next I'm going to give you atmosphere, which I believe is called Mi Vida Local. I don't know what that fucking means, but um, Atmosphere is one of those groups that really kind of changed my view of hip-hop back in high school, and um, for that reason, I have not been able to let them go. They still put out um, albums every two, three years. They still put on a great show, but sad to say... For the last 10 years or so, even people who loved When Life Gives You Lemons in 2008, I I didn't. That's when they started to get kind of, I don't know. They stopped using those signature sounds. The ant wasn't sampling anymore. They, um, they really kind of mellowed, especially in Slug's delivery and what he was talking about. And pretty much everything since then, I mean, I, I buy a new release... In this case, I bought this one uh, on my birthday, and I listened to it, I think, one time. Maybe two times in a row, in one sitting. But I haven't put it on since. Like, the production was really good. I was actually surprised, um, pleasantly surprised, with Ant's work on this album. Like, it didn't, didn't feel like some of the other ones where it's like, oh, we have to use a live band now, you know? Seems like he's really figured that out. And the last Brother Ali album uh, that Ant produced was really, really good too. I was really happy with the production, but um, overall it's just, I, I don't know. It didn't didn't hook me in. Uh, nothing much else to say about it. I, I love those guys. Uh, I love seeing them live. I love their old records, but uh, it's just, it's not for me at this point. Uh, number eight, the honorable mentions, I've got the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. And I was, I was happy that a couple of my friends put this uh, higher up on their lists. I was really happy that they put out a new album. Um, they, they had a long hiatus between, uh, what, Jackknife to a Swan and um, uh, that one they dropped in 2010. I mean, that was like seven years or something. I never expected them to continue making music. And and this band really was a, a life-changing band for me when I started getting into punk and alternative music and ska music, you know, Boss Tones. Let's face it, was was just happening in 1997. And, um, you know, their whole catalog, they have like positive messages. They're talking about... Um, you know, the effects of drug use. They're talking about violence. They're talking about all kinds of things that um, that really were a good influence on me. I love the heart that they put into their songs. I love the contrast in their original kind of manifesto that they were pioneers of ska core. So it was like, you know, you'd have this kind of uplifting ska 
bouncy horn part, and then these just crushing guitars and screaming in the uh, in the next part. And and I really loved their all of their albums. Um, uh, you know, they've mellowed a bit on their last three, and that's fine. You know, people change with age and over time. And um, I listened to this one several times, and, you know, and it's solid, but uh, it doesn't didn't connect with me even like the last two did. It feels some of it feels a little more like I don't know could have just been written on acoustic guitars, you know, almost like kind of Boston folky. It's like I don't I don't know. I'm not a fan of the Dropkick Murphys when they're doing like big sing along stuff. I like when they're playing like fast hardcore shit, you know, like Pipe Bomb on Lansdowne. So I don't know just a different point in their life next up i've got a a newer band from fat records called the last gang i had never really heard of them i saw their video going around on social media and uh i think they're a three-piece with uh, a female lead singer i really like their their vibe i mean it, it kind of fits right in with the fat style but i would say that they're still kind of finding their own sound like from song to song you know there's poppier ones there's faster ones there's um kind of a blend i think it's only 10 songs so it's a pretty short one you can you know listen to it a couple times in a row and uh i yeah i really enjoyed it and i think that um i'm i'm mostly just interested to see where they go after this because it's uh it's a really good start but it's it's not very consistent yet there's a couple couple outliers on the record. Kind of feels like, uh, okay, we have enough songs. We need to put something out if we're going to be going on tour and whatever. So it kind of felt like one of those, but I really, I really like some of the songs on there. I would definitely recommend checking out The Last Gang. Next, I'm going to give it a tie. So there's technically 11 honorable mentions here. And, and, and this is uh, a couple friends of mine put out uh, records this year that I thought were very good and a very... A considerable step forward in their evolution. Um, first I'll mention is Odar, my good friend Crosby Neal. He uh, produces for the name Odar Beats, and you'll recognize that name from a lot of my records. Uh, strangely enough, not from Figures of Speech, but, uh, you know, all the way back to the Illusionist days and on Death of a Salesman and Bears Repeating and Vacant Eyes and Rare Form and break the bank dudes all over my catalog love him we've been friends for god knows how long since we were kids and uh you know he's been on a bit of a journey and coming into his own as a a solo artist and a, a beat maker you know and in the illusionist days he was kind of kind of studying what made an illusionist song, you know, because mostly it was made by Webb at that point, all the beats. And um, so he kind of had to fit into that mold. And then when I started doing solo shit, you know, kind of freed him up a little bit more to try different styles and different sounds. And uh, at this point, I really feel like he's now coming into his own. This record is called So Long, Take Care. And you can get it on all the the digital platforms. I listened to it a bunch of times, man, and I it's it's the first time that he's incorporated almost entirely live instrumentation. 
but you wouldn't guess it. Like it feels very much like a summertime soul sample kind of record. Just really nice bass lines. It's really short and to the point. You know, I think it's only nine songs, so it's not a long record and it's all instrumental, so the songs aren't that long either. So it's a nice quick listen. You can throw that on a couple times. It's really proud of him for this. And um, I'd hope that, uh, you know, at some point, I know he was talking about trying to get these songs on stage and figure out how to perform some of this stuff. And, and I hope that he does because, uh, you know, we've played a lot in group settings. I mean, he was even on the, the last uh, DFS tour with us. He played bass. But I'd love to see him be able to do some of this shit live. I think uh, it's really cool. In this same slot, uh, number six in the honorable mentions, I'm going to shout out Dusted Temple. And this is Web Beats and Jay Philly. Uh, these are two artists who you will hear on my new album, Figures of Speech. And I really think that, um, you know, just two of the most talented and uh, relatively unknown people in the scene. This Raw Sun EP is their, I would say, second release. But, I mean, they've had a number of singles out. And they had a whole album that they made and threw out, you know. They've got a third one that's, uh, I just heard the rough cut of it last night, and it's really great, you know, and, and they just don't play shows. Like, if you were to ask somebody, like, oh, who's your favorite local rap groups? I feel like they would never come up because people just wouldn't, wouldn't think of them. But this music is out there, and it's fucking awesome. And I made a joke that I was like, oh, man, I, yeah, I'm your guy's biggest fan. And they're like, yeah, you're our only fan, Jesus. <laughs> and uh, I hope that's not the case because, man, they've, they've really got some great songs. This is classic, old-school, boom-bap shit, but then Philly adds a whole new layer to it. You know, I've done a lot of records with Webb, and when we get together, it's always like, going hard, going fast, you know, and Philly's a great spitter, but, uh, he's also added a whole melodic element to it and developed a lot of hooks for it. And this is another one that's just an EP. I believe it's seven songs and, uh, there's not a skippable track, you know, it's just, it's just solid from front to back. Um, I put both of these on the same because, um, you know, they're both good friends of mine, but also, to be honest, they're both digital releases, and I don't, like, I'll, I played them a lot, you know, when they first dropped, but only when I'm glued to this computer right here, which is, if I'm on this computer, I'm probably making music, I'm not able to just listen to it, so unless I'm paying bills or jacking off or something, by the way, I wonder how many of you guys are fucking or jacking off to my shit in the background, when does that happen? Because I could probably say I jacked off the raw sun this year. Yeah, you didn't want to know that, but now you do. Don't turn the episode off. I'm just being honest. <laughs> anyway, so I don't have a lot of opportunities to listen to this shit that's uh, digital release. So much like Black Thought, uh, I'm going to put this on the on the honorable mentions, which uh, there's a Dusted Temple song with that name, actually. <laughs> um, next up, I'm going to... Have Carnage the Executioner. I was on the Ravenous tour back in October. And this is a record that had been coming to fruition for a long time. And I was really excited to, to finally hear it. There was a lot of conversations we had about tracks that um, 
or I should say about topics that became tracks on this album. Uh, there were times where, uh, you know, when I'm writing figures of speech, I'll be calling up Terrell, his Carnage's real name. I'd be calling up Terrell and he'd be calling up me when he's writing ravenous verses. You know, we'd be sharing things and bouncing ideas off of each other. And, and so some of these, you know, I heard when they were just a conversation of ours, some of these I heard when they were uh, first draft of the verse, you know, spit over the phone. And it was really cool to hear it all come together. I think the the production is awesome. You know, it's it's a, a big step forward. I think that, um, you know, it really flows. It talks a lot in unique ways, kind of like Minnesota Mean did. But, um, I mean, it talks a lot about the the different facets of being an artist, but not in a preachy way. It's sort of like almost, I would throw it back to BDP in kind of an edutainment way. You know, it's like, this is what it's like to be in the van. These are the kind of things that we talk about backstage. You know, I, I really resonate with all the, or I should say all the concepts resonated with me. And my song Local on Figures of Speech, it came out of, you know, these kind of conversations. But, but his whole record has a lot of that sort of content. Uh, the song Book Me, um, or the song It's Still Work. I mean, that, that song and the way it's done live is, uh, is, is genius, you know, and it's, it's paying off for him. Uh, main reason I put Ravenous on the honorable mentions is uh, I believe this is an early cut of the record and he's going to have a, a, a proper release in 2019. And so this was kind of just in one of those little like plastic clear sleeves with a, you know, with the cover art in it. And, you know, and it's not that it wasn't printed well or anything, but if your record doesn't have a spine on it with the title and whatever, you know, when I'm loading up my bag with CDs every morning, I'm looking at the records uh, on the shelf and I'm going, uh, this, 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 and I grab about 12 albums a day. And if, uh, if I can't see your shit, I never think to listen to it. I'm grabbing my shit in a panic, uh, loading up my bag, and I'm going. And so, you know, I had it in my car the first two weeks after tour. I listened to it a lot. And honestly, I haven't heard it much since, um, short of uh, preparing for this episode here. Uh, Ravenous is a great record. It might even be the best Carnage album. Time will tell with that. When he does a proper release, I'll definitely scoop that up and uh, make sure that it becomes part of my regular rotation. All right, next up, this is number four on my honorable mentions. You might find this unlikely for me, but I'm a huge fan of the movies. Like if if music is my passion and my career and whatever, uh, my my hobby, my interest on the side is movies. And I go to the theater every weekend just about. And that is what I love to do. And, you know, at night after dinner, I'll watch one or two movies practically every day. And, and that's, that's, uh, that's just, it's just what I love. And so this one is a soundtrack. It's for a movie that uh, everybody's talked about this year. It's called A Star is Born. I mean, I've been a fan of Bradley Cooper uh, for a while now. I'm a fan of Lady Gaga in the sense that I don't like her pop music, but I, I like the record she did with Tony Bennett. It was really, really good. Um, you know, it's like old-time 
jazz stuff. It was all duets, and that was fantastic. She had a couple solo tracks on that, and I was like, God, why can't she make music like this? And I would buy her albums, you know, or you see her occasionally do like a, a solo performance, uh, you know, on a award show or on SNL or something. You're like, God, why can't you do this? You know, like, I want to hear this, not this over over the top dance music. And this really brought that side of her out, you know, her playing this character, Allie. And Bradley Cooper wrote, or at the very least co-wrote all this music and used live performances that you can tell while you're watching it. You know, this is not a, a lip sync overdub thing. And you could tell when you listen to the soundtrack that this is a real performance too. And they're in front of real audiences, you know, during a set change at a festival or something like that. You know, it's for an actor to be able to put in the time to write such heartfelt songs like this and deliver them that well. You know, even though you're surrounded with a professional band or whatever, he is playing and singing on this shit for real. And that's, it's moving music. You know, it is. She has some of the best moments, of course, obviously being the the seasoned performer, but um, just uh, the two of them together, it makes for a great record. Main reason I put on the honorable mentions is because you buy the soundtrack and it's got all these fucking dialogue clips from the movie in between the songs. So you constantly got to be skipping around. It's fucking annoying. But um, but the songs are, are great. Next from that, I'm going to shout out my friend Chesky. He was in town earlier this year. We had him on the podcast and he had this tour exclusive CD called the Elm Street Sessions. And it was just live acoustic recordings and if you've ever seen him live this is the closest thing you're going to get I feel like to being at the show with him and my favorite Chesky is generally generally the one in person at the shows because uh he's just uh, uh an unforgettable presence yeah this album is is awesome it really captures that front to back there's no no overdubs, almost no production to speak of, but it sounds great. And uh, if you liked Broken Bone Ballads, which was one of my favorite albums when that came out, nothing really else to say about that one, man. It's just a, it's a great record front to back. It's really simple, and I like it. So next from this is going to be somebody I'd never heard of before at all. I was just about to record this episode and I looked at my CD rack one more time and went, oh, shit, I forgot to include this. And so I'm talking about Baptists. Gabe, uh, who goes by Web Beats, is one of my best friends. He sent me this video. It was like, watch this drummer. It kind of started out a little bit slower, heavier stuff. And then the second song was crazy fast. Stu was all over the place. And I fucking loved it. Some, some hardcore punk shit. And I immediately stopped the video, Googled it, pulled up their band camp, ordered the CD. Uh, it's called Beacon of Faith. Uh, I'm not sure even where these guys are from, but uh, man, what a great, great project. I, the only thing that I would knock it for is I was expecting more of that super fast shit. I kind of thought that it would be like, a 25 minute CD, but the fact is it's actually like, you know, the songs have some length to it, more like metal songs, I guess. 
I thought it was going to be a little more bam, 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 DFS style. But I really do like it, and it's something that I always bring a record like this to work. You know, I listen to palatable shit that other people won't complain about, the customers won't complain about, until 7 o'clock, and the moment that I lock the doors, I crank up some shit like this. And so Baptist has been uh, a fixture of my my closing routine at work when I'm pissed off and want to go home. Yeah, amazing drumming, just a really tight band all around. I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised if a lot of this was recorded live because it feels like it feels like a real band in a room. You know, it doesn't like it simultaneously sounds good and is not overproduced in any way. So, I definitely recommend if you're a fan of punk and hardcore and even metal, you know, it's a little rough around the edges, but goddamn is it good. Uh, my number one honorable mention is Zarface meets Metalface. Or Zarface versus Metalface. I forget the fucking name. I regularly refer to Zarface as probably my favorite group today in rap. They've been putting out quality albums for a minute now. I think this was their fourth album. And at least their fourth one that, that I have. And this is unpopular, but honestly, I don't love Doom. He's clever, and, uh, you know, I, I like him in small doses, but, like, I feel like they had to go a different direction production-wise to work with him, and I just kind of like, eh. Like, there's that, that, that lead single, Bomb Throne, is like a straight-up banger, and as many great lines, as many great beats as there are on the record, I just felt like it was like a little different vibe maybe kind of a slower not as high energy uh thing don't get me wrong i fucking love this album there's a lot of great tracks on it there's not like skippers or anything but um i mean i was excited to see open mike eagle on it but you know even that song i didn't really love actually speaking which i didn't even hear the last open mike eagle album did that come out this year or last year uh I don't know, something about Brick City Kids or something. I didn't catch that. I'm a little out of the loop. Anyway, Zarface rules. I'm excited for their Zarface meets Ghostface that's coming out, I think, in February. As much as I like those those three Zarface records a little bit more than this, I'm down for the journey. These guys fucking rule. Their their lyrical content, bar for bar, can I mean go toe-to-toe with just about anybody. I mean, it's, it's just solid hip-hop. And and I'm there's some of my favorite things to ever come out of the whole Wu Tang clan, and that's that's saying something. So that is my number one honorable mention. There is the top ten leading into the top ten, if that makes any fucking sense. I'm on thirty minutes now, keeping pretty good time. It's not bad, okay? I'm gonna try to get you out of here in an hour. All right. We're getting into the real shit. My top ten of 2018. I'm going to give this one to the Smashing Pumpkins. I went and saw them this year, and they've been one of my favorite bands forever. And it was a fantastic show. The The tour was named after the forthcoming album, though they only had one song out at the time called Solara. It was one of those, like, you hear a single, and maybe you hear it on your phone or on your computer. And then I saw it again on... Jimmy Fallon, saw it on TV. I like that we get to preview stuff, but I also like to just 
put on the album on a good stereo and listen to it front to back because I wasn't blown away by the single. And then when I saw it live, I was like, oh, this song fucking rules. Like they played it for their encore. You know, they got James Eha back in the group for the first time since Machina in 2000. And, you know, I, I thought it was cool. Mostly uh, I'm a fan of the Pumpkins all the time, you know, especially when it's Billy and Jimmy Chamberlain, um, which is almost every single album. But uh, there was something about this that was a little more restrained, a little more textural, a little more kind of just at ease, like they were in their lane. They, they weren't trying to prove something. They led with a heavy single, Solara. The rest of the album, I feel like it's only eight songs. So there's a balance. I mean, there's a few heavy ones on there, but I feel like for the most part, it's got a little bit more of a 1979 meets a door sort of vibe to it. You know, it's more melodic. Um, it's just a little more of, there's, there's more pretty songs. Um, and on the flip side of that, for the first time, I think since Machina back in the day, you actually hear snarly, angry Billy on one of the songs too, which is pretty cool. Um, but the three guitars sound great together. Um, you know, Jeff Schroeder uh, has been with them since 07 when they reformed. And, um, you know, I, I you forget what James added to the group. It wasn't that he was like a shredder like Billy and Jeff. It was that he used more effects and he had more um, just kind of uh, moody stuff that he would play. And I, I think it comes out great. And I think that... Billy's voice sounds better than ever. Um, he put out an acoustic album last year. And I think that this this record makes a lot of sense if you've heard that one. It seems like it's kind of written around the same time. A lot more softer songs and softer melodies. And that's where he's most comfortable right now. And, and it's it's great. I think this is probably quite possibly the best thing that they've put out since back then in the original catalog so highly recommended the smashing pumpkins it's called shiny and oh so bright next up we're gonna go back into hip-hop and i'm gonna give it to the two-headed monster by blueprint and i played a few shows with print in support of this album this year and i i enjoyed it on the record, I enjoyed it live. I think that um, his last few albums, you know, he had King No Crown, Respect the Architect, Vigilante Genesis. You know, I think they kind of are a different era of print music. You know, if you look at his Rhymes Hairs output, his solo stuff then, if you look at his soul position output, and I feel like this one, is the pinnacle of this recent era of his work. I think the production is fantastic. I mean, the the title track, Two-Headed Monster, is, you know, uses this LP sample that's like, I produce and I rap too, you know, talking about how, you know, he's perfected both sides of it over the years. And really it's an accomplishment to to get a handle on either one of those things. And the fact that he's such a good storyteller and 
knows his way around a, a dirty breakbeat like nobody else, you know. Um, I, I really thought that that was a good theme for the album. And, you know, this is probably, you know, probably one of his best releases ever. Um, I think it's it's really solid from front to back. The you know, really I I could do without the spoken intro, the guy with the crazy weird voice. I don't really know if that adds anything to it. Um, there's a song on the back half called uh, I was like Good Guys Get Ignored or something like that. Nice Guys Finish Last, something like that. And you know, I I live in my own little world. I've been I met my wife when I was 13. So I don't have any any contextual experience for uh, relationships as an adult, um, you know, starting relationships as an adult, I should say. Um, it just felt, it felt a little odd. It's like not the kind of song you would hear these days. It seems like kind of like a a little bit of a relic, like a blame it on the Jaeger sort of uh, old school print song. Um, I don't know. That's really the only thing I would knock it for. But, uh, you know, maybe that's his experience. And he's always been honest on the track. And, I, you know, I can't fault him for that. Um, you know, he said that he, uh, you know, he got more girls when he was getting shit-faced than, than now when he's sober, you know, and trying to reconcile those two things. So, you know, I, I, I don't doubt that that is a struggle. Um, just kind of, I don't know, not my kind of song. But great features on the album. And you know, they had uh, uh, AC Alone and Superstition and Slug. Um, just uh, you know, people who really, really added to the songs that they were on. Um, but man, just great beats. And as always, great lyrics from print. And it really felt, much like the Chesky record, it felt like being at a Blueprint show. You know, so uh, props to print on that. I think it was, uh, again, one of his best. Um, my number eight is pretty much even with that. Kind of a coin toss as to which one I was going to choose, but Epic Beardman, who is made of Sage Francis and B. Dolan. Um, I got to play with them beginning of this year and picked up this, this EP. I've been looking forward to this for a long time because, uh, you know, Sage was also one of those artists who... Uh, in print as well, um, but who really opened my eyes to underground hip hop back in my freshman year of high school, and B. Dolan, uh, man, when he put out uh, "Fallen House, Sunken City" in 2010 with uh, Alias on the beats, that album blew my mind, and it was a huge influence for me and and Gabe when we were doing the Illusionist stuff, like "Death of a Salesman." Um, B. Dolan was a huge influence on that era. And, you know, I, I got to uh, got to meet him a while back, I think last year, when he was out here with Abilities, and uh, seemed like a good dude. So I was, I was glad to, to be able to play with them. You know, I had Sage's mixtapes where they put out a couple of Epic Beardman songs one at a time, and, and the fact that they finally made a, a legit record of it and were doing an actual tour for it, you know, I was, I was stoked, you know, just to hear them do some straight-up boom-bap shit, mic passing shit together, you know, it's kind of like... Um, the Hail Mary Mallon, the Run the Jewels, you know, it's kind of a thing right now. We're getting these great underground supergroups, you know. Turned out awesome. Like, people compare B. Dolan to Sage. They have similar taste in some ways, but when you hear them next to each other, it's so clear how different they are, you know, and you'll get 
Dolan doing these more technical runs and uh, focusing on his patterns where Sage is going off, you know, on these more like, you know, he's always had this spoken word looseness to the way that he rhymes and the big personality and stuff. And, uh, you know, they're having fun together. It sounds awesome. The thing that makes this is because it's short, it's an EP, but they tacked on the original Epic Beardman songs like, you know, Too Bad and shit like that at the end of the record. And and honestly, like, Too Bad is one of my fucking favorites. And they really closed the deal for me. So check out Epic Beardman Season 1. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about punk rock. This really surprised me, man. Pennywise is a band who has had ups and downs, you know, had their bass player die after their third album. They came back on that same tour and kept playing. Like, like they're that fucking kind of resilient band. And they followed it with Full Circle, one of their best albums. You know, this is like 97. You know, they're, they're just workhorses. And they really have a great, great catalog. One of the best in punk history. You could put those first five, six albums, even through Land of the Free. I like Land of the Free. And then I remember they put out a couple duds. And then when MySpace was a thing and they were launching a record label, one of the first releases was Pennywise. In 2008, they put out, uh, I thought, one of their best records ever. I'm like, holy shit, they're they're back. I didn't know they could be this good. Over the years, they changed singers and they put out, you know, a project with the singer from uh, Ignite. You know, they spent the last few years touring again with their original lead singer, Jim Lindbergh. And man, this record sounds like, and I mean this in the best way possible, it sounds like 1993 Pennywise. You know, it's got all the beef and chunk of their their last 10, 15 years, you know, kind of heavier edge to it. But it has this melody. Uh, like if you listen to the second track on this record, if you listen to any song, I would say listen to the second track on the record. It sounds like classic fucking old school Pennywise. Like Fletcher does not write guitar riffs like that anymore. I was just so, I was taken back to when I was first discovering this band and when I was first discovering punk rock. When I heard the first single, I was like, oh, it's kind of overproduced. I don't know about, you know, the, the, the way they're doing the vocals on this. Uh, I don't know. But in the context of the album, I like the single quite a bit. So, again, it was one of those things where, you know, crank it up on the full stereo. and like, dude, you can't really deny this fucking sounds great. And it's Cameron Webb who's produced a lot of their music over the years. And I, I, I just, I think he is a good fit for them. Uh, my favorite track on it is probably the second to last song. It's called Listen. And it's just like, straight up old school hardcore you know fast pennywise song it's got quite a few songs like i don't know 17 18 songs something like that there's not a turd on the whole bunch i love it front to back great great fucking album uh next up this is number six i've got the interrupters and i think i mentioned them a couple years back this is their third album they're a relatively new ska band that's on Hellcat Records. Uh, they're produced and co-written by Tim Armstrong from Rancid. Just one of my absolute favorite bands to come out in a long, long time. They're a ska band with no horns. They have big gang vocal sing-alongs. Um, all the band members are, are brothers, except the singer, Amy. And uh, 
I, I saw them live maybe two years ago, and I, it was just one of the best, happiest, most satisfying live show experiences of my adult life. I was front row, just getting crushed by the people behind me at this little club in Portland, but the energy was so high, and like smiles on everybody's faces, and everyone's singing along, and, and God, I just love this band. When this record came out, it was like a little more glossy than than the last two, and it seemed um, they're using you know more like three part harmonies and different things going on, and I'm like, ah, this feels a little different. Like I was kind of worried it was going to be overproduced, but the more time that I spent with it, you know, I I kind of went from it being my least favorite Interrupters album to possibly my most favorite Interrupters album, and. You know, they, they know what they do well, and, um, you know, they write upbeat songs, but they've still got attitude to it, you know, and they still got, they've got so much heart in it. I think that's what translates is that they're so genuine and that they they mean it. They love it. They believe in it. And it's who they really are as people. You know, it just, it comes through as their authentic selves. Really, any of these top like from here on these top few albums are almost interchangeable like i just i think they're all really really great pieces of work um I, my favorite track on this one is the very last song i think it's called room with a view and it's obviously a an ode to someone who has died in her life and uh the the lyrics on it are just beautiful i found myself listening to it a lot when um one of my old friends and uh, co-workers died this year. I found myself listening to that a lot and thinking of him. kind of helped me through that when I was having a hard time. So shout out to the Interrupters. I, I love you guys so much, and I, and I hope that everybody here who has any interest in punk or ska music um, would check this out. Um, and, and on a brief, brief side note, I, I'm very happy that my friend Taylor... Morden, who was on the show talking about his ska documentary, Pick It Up, uh, he got to uh, go down there and interview the Interrupters for his film uh, a few months back. So um, excited to see them in the movie as well. Next up, this is number five. We're in the top five here, okay? And making pretty decent time. This is one of my oldest friends. I've known him since we were three years old in preschool. And... We had him on the show earlier this year talking about his new album, Needle Exchange in the Stars. And that was a great album in and of itself. It's very, it's very raw. It's very vulnerable. It's almost a little bit lo-fi. And it's only nine songs. So I guess there's a theme. I don't know if it's a theme of the year or a theme of the records that I've chosen. But they tend to be shorter and... Um, Easier listens, something you can play the shit out of and really get to know. Because when there's so much going on in your life and you're trying to keep up on so much music, something that's uh, shorter that you can play a bunch of times and start to memorize it and sing along to it, you know, that, that's something easier than, let's say, you know, some asshole put out uh, a double album that's 40 minutes aside, like me. That one takes a little more commitment. I understand I shot myself in the foot with that. But... Following Needle Exchange in the Stars, Leo put out 
the record called Montgomery Park. That's an EP that he followed only months after Needle Exchange. And it has a similar vibe at times. Um, But then there's three duets with his friend Haley Johnson. And I went to his release show he did uh, at the Hi-Fi here in town. And and she was on this little tour with him. I got to meet her and talk before the show. And I I wasn't really familiar with her at all. Um, And then the moment she started singing, um, I was just floored uh, with, with her voice and the way that her singing Leo's melodies and words made me feel and hearing the way that they sang together on these songs was just absolutely like devastating in the best way. Like it's heartbreaking music, but it's so relatable. And I'm definitely like a sucker for sad songs, man. It it just does not get better in my opinion than what they did together. The song acid rain in Hollywood, I think is probably my favorite song of the year. I mean, that and, and I mean, all their, their duets on this record is Temporarily Your Girl, Another Woman. They're, God, they're just such real emotional performances and just a testament to, to Leo's writing. He's just extraordinary. I've said this time and again, but just one of my favorite writers, one of my favorite singer-songwriters, one of my favorite artists, um, you know, we've gone through a lot over the years and I'm really glad that we have, uh, you know, reconnected in, in recent years. And um, I'm just, uh, I, I'm proud to know him. I mean, what I hope, and I threw this out there to him recently, uh, I saw him play again at the Hi-Fi with his band, The Domestics. And, oh, and to acknowledge that too, the, just before uh, this year began, he put out, a record with the domestics that's fucking fantastic. And so he's got three releases in a calendar year that rival anything anybody's got in this genre as far as I'm concerned. I mean, just give this man his due. Check out his music, Leo London, Montgomery Park. But I, I mentioned this to him that uh, I would like to see, and maybe Take 92 can can help facilitate this, but I would like to see Needle Exchange and Montgomery Park packaged together. Um, and, and, and given a deluxe release and, you know, and, and pushed it a little bit more because God, there's just some extraordinary songs on this. I'm talking like, these are classics that I will play for years. I'm telling you this sincerely. So as of right now, you can check it out on all the, the digital platforms. Um, I did get a physical copy of each of these. Um, he was just selling little, homemade uh, uh, slim cases of them. But hey, there's a pair of slim cases so I can see them on my CD rack. <laughs> Sandwiched between them is the Haley Johnson EP that I got at his uh, release show. So, you know, now I can just grab that chunk. I listen to all three of them in a row very often. Fantastic fucking music. Shout out to Haley who dropped a single this year, uh, lift me up. It's fantastic. She just recorded an album that's going to be out next year. So check out Haley Johnson as well. All right. We're in the thick of it. 
This is top four. This is the best shit here. And I, I am an MC. I'm a rap fan through and through. We have to talk about Kamikaze. Okay. Eminem dropped probably his best album in 15 years. At least his hungriest. Um, I'd say the only album better than this that you could argue in his last decade of releases is uh, Marshall Mathers LP2. And that album is chaotic and all over the place. This one feels much more consistent. You could still probably cut a couple songs given your, your tastes and your preference. But I mean, God, the way this record opens uh, with The Ringer and The Greatest, I mean, the, the this is just some of the best lyricism happening right now. It's fucking awesome. I, I, I only wish it had come out uh, after the Machine Gun Kelly thing so we could have that diss track on here too, Kill Shot. Actually, when this came out, I was listening to it so much, I decided to, to, to make a mix because all the Eminem albums in recent years have had like a bunch of great songs and then some skippable songs. Again, probably given what your personal taste is. I was like, I'm going to make a mix CD like I used to do back in the day of all the Eminem songs um, from his kind of newer style, the more more crazy flow, choppy pattern. And uh, I filled up the 80-minute disc too fast, and so I actually made two 80-minute discs, a part one and a part two. Definitely heavily favors Kamikaze and uh, Marshall Mathers too. But yeah, man, this is uh, this is quality stuff. I've been saying for a long time that like, you know, people don't like his forced, angry voice. You know, there's people making fun of him, like uh, like comedian in his car going, nah, 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 you know, doing the voice and shit. And, and, you know, you can shit on him all you want, but, like, he's undeniably talented. Uh, what I've wanted for a long time is to focus that aggression, you know, because he makes songs with Royce about smacking bitches and whatever, and it's like, dude, I love Bad Meets Evil, but sometimes, like, there's no direction and that's when he kind of rests on uh, some of the parts of his personality that we wish he would grow out of a little bit. And of course, there's always going to be moments of that because he's the fucking irreverent shit-talking guy. And that's that's the purpose of what he does to some extent. But the fact that he's found something again to rebel against. You know, he put out a record he was proud of and it got shit on, Revival. You know, he had an axe to grind. His best album to most people is Marshall Mathers LP. And that was him reacting to criticism. And Kamikaze is him reacting to criticism. So I think this is uh, as close to classic M as we're ever going to get. I mean, this is um, coming off the heels of an album that had a lot of filler and some really incredible lyricism that was completely overshadowed by kind of just an all over the place fucking bloated album. I would also love to see the Chloroseptic remix on here because right after Revival came out and got shit on, he remixed the song Chloroseptic and uh, it's just kind of like a, like I fucking hate when these people who were original and had their own sound latch on to what's popular. So they have this fucking trap rap song. And uh, then he dropped a remix to it that was him, like, flipping 
on all the fans who shit-talked Revival. And it was fucking awesome. That verse is incredible. And so on my mix CD, I chopped his verse from Chloroseptic and his verse from the Chloroseptic remix and put them together. And uh, now it's like a fucking five-minute uh, bar-out song with no trap rappers on it. Awesome. I was not originally that happy to hear some of the tracks on this record, like Lucky You and um, the one with Royce. I can't think of the name off the top of my head. But um, some of the some of the lines on the Royce thing, I didn't realize until I was reading on, on Rap Genius that that some of the stuff he's doing on there is mocking popular rap songs. I don't listen to that shit. Like there's annotations on the lyrics that are showing like, oh, this line is him doing Kendrick and this line is him doing so-and-so fucking Migos or whatever. And so, you know, I got a little bit of uh, context from that and I actually started to appreciate like, oh, okay. Cause when he's doing like fucking brain dead, eye drops, cave head, high tops. I'm like, what the fuck is this? You know, um, over, over a trap beat. And so, uh, you know, I think him taking their style in, uh, in mocking it, I can live with it because the lyrics are so fucking, uh, on point, you know, the rapping is so good that I'll overlook it's a style I don't like. And I can particularly appreciate that because it's made to be fucking with them as opposed to him, like riding the wave of what's popular, like he did with recovery. So yeah, I'm a fan of the album. You know, again, you can pick out your favorite songs from it, but, uh, it's, it's, it's some pretty fiery fucking rapping. Number three, my top 10. We're getting close. Christina Aguilera, Liberation. And you might be going, what the goddamn fuck? But if you've ever been here or if you've watched any of my videos in this studio, you know, there's Christina Aguilera cardboard cutout right over there. Her poster's all over the place. I love this woman. She's a fantastic singer. I love Stripped. I love Back to Basics. And uh, I love random tracks here and there from some of her other shit. But this was a return to form. She's another one who had an original style and then kind of fell off and was like, ooh, I'm going to be like Lady Gaga now, and I'm going to be like fucking Katy Perry now, and whatever. It's like, stop it. You're the fucking original. Do your shit. Do you. And the single from this, Accelerate, came out. It had fucking 2 chains on it. I'm like, God damn it. And it goes into this fucking trap thing, and it's got, like, the whole song... Um, uh, like it's got those stupid fucking backups, you know, like you get, she's singing the line and then the guy who can't sing echoes the line, you know, it's like a shitty, shitty pop version, you know, of, of what Run DMC did that was awesome. And, uh, I don't know. I fucking hated it. Then I heard the single, uh, I think it's called fall back down with Demi Lovato. And I was like, dude, this is a fucking anthem. This is like her classic stripped 2002 shit this is like a feminist fucking banger right here like that song i'd be blasting that shit getting like choked up with the lyrics for a pop star to have that kind of honesty it's it's so refreshing and i just i can't get enough of it they're they're singing together like the shit the girls have to go through it's just the way it is maybe it's never gonna change but i've got a mind to show my strength and i got a right to speak my mind and you're going to pay for this. They're going to burn me at the stake, but I got a fire in my veins. I wasn't made to fall in line. 
You know, like, that's some punk rock shit. You know, you put that over a fucking fast tempo in a 30-second song, like, that's a punk rock song. Show some skin. Make him want you. Because God forbid you know your own way home. Ask yourself why it matters, who it flatters. You're more than flesh and bones. That's a hardcore song, man. Like, these girls are fucking putting something out there that needs to be heard in this plastic bullshit fucking pop landscape. So I I love this album. It took me a minute to adjust to a couple of the tracks, like Accelerate and whatever. But God, and, and it closes with this song. It's a ballad that is... Um, soaring vocals you know a lot of the songs are a little more they're they're pop songs she's not really going for it on all of these songs they're not as acrobatic vocally showing off her range because i mean she doesn't have to prove that at this point but oh man the last track uh it just gives me chills it's like a love song it's like i don't want to get married unless i'm with you or unless it's with you the the way that they they repeat the chorus and they um, you know, the key change and all the shit that she's doing on top of it, it's just extraordinary. Literally gives me chills. Like, you might think I'm a super fucking dork, but like, she is one of the best living vocal performers on this planet, one of the best of our time, and this is her in top form again. So, if you appreciate, uh, skill if you appreciate um a shade of honesty in this uh you know very manufactured world not a lot of people could get away with being their authentic self in the way that she does in that genre not everybody can do that and i I really respect her for the span of her career you know, for trying to stick by her guns and say something that she believes in. So, shout out to Christina. That's my number three. Number two, The Legends, the best hardcore band of all time, is back. Sick of it all. Wake the Sleeping Dragon. First of all, this is the best album cover they've ever had. It's on some, like, King Kong Godzilla shit, but with their dragon logo. And it's fucking awesome. I love it. Um, they put up one audio-only song that had the, the album cover um, on a YouTube video. And I was like, that fucking looks awesome. And it took a second. Like, there was like a, a swell of guitars kind of coming in. And bam. And it hits. It fucking hits. It's just exactly the kind of shit you want from them. And then they added a little bit of vocal distortion to lose voice. And it's fucking on fire it's so good you can probably hear not only am i waking up a little bit more but as i talk about these records that i really fucking loved i'm getting more excited and goddamn sick of it all one of my biggest influences in life straight up i fucking love this band and this is some of their best production this is some of their best songwriting i mean it's just fucking great straight up hardcore if I'm going to nitpick, there's only two things that uh, would keep this from being number one. I think it's like the third song to get into this more like kind of sing-along. And um, they got Tim from Rise Against on it and, you know, it's whatever. Like, it's not a bad song at all. Like, if it's going to be on there, 
it's a back half of the record kind of song. It's like like you can't come out of the gate that fast and that hard and then have like a long sing-along song that's like slower. That really turned me off the first time I listened to the record. And like every time I go back to it, I'm like, oh, wow, God, this is this is like so much better than I than I remembered. And like that's that song. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's the thing. And then after it, it like completely keeps that freight train speed going and hard and fast shit continues. Um, but uh, I don't know. That one just feels feels out of place. I think that's all. It's not it's a bad song. It's just doesn't belong right there. And the other thing that I would mention is uh, there's a song called Deep State. Politically, I'm not sure where they're going with this because they talk about like propaganda on conspiracy sites and shit like that. They seem to be touching on all these points of contention in our society right now and things that are dividing us. But uh, then they start talking about like deep state, false flags, uh, shit like that. And I'm going, wait a second. Are you, are you telling me you like, you are the conspiracy people? I don't know. I, it j- I got a weird vibe from it. It sucks because it's a really good song. Um, and I, I, I I love singing their lyrics. I love their lyrics in particular um, in, in terms of like all the hardcore bands. Um, you know, they're, they're always fighting for the underdog and, um, they're, you know, they talk about the, you know, the ruling class and like the, I think it's the last song on the album uh, or one of the last songs on the album. You know, they talk about like just one drop from that fucking 1%, you know, like, like they wouldn't even notice and they could do so much to change the lives of people, whether in this country or anywhere else, you know. And uh, and and I'm I'm behind them in all those things. But the one song, Deep State, I was like, wait, well, uh, I'm not sure if I, I'm not sure if I want to go down that rabbit hole with you. So anyway, that's sick of it all. Wake the Sleeping Dragon, fantastic album. Uh, give it a listen. It definitely, that shit came out, and no surprise that I've been back in the studio with DFS, (laughs) uh, hungry and and ready to finish this album. So, number one, Uh, this is a band that I've listened to for a long time, I'd say going back to seventh grade. They used to be very known for their, like, blend of rockabilly and punk and ska, I saw them open for The Offspring in like 98, I think. And then with Green Day in 2000, this band's called The Living End. And they made a name for themselves being uh, not only blending the genres, but just extraordinary musicians. I mean, um, Scott playing the upright bass, you know, you, you go see him live, that dude can hop up and stand on the top arc of his bass balance it in the air and keep playing that like that shit is hard to play standing next to it let alone on top of it i had an upright bass man the shit is hard chris cheney the lead singer and guitarist um i mean he fucking shreds like brian setzer but heavier and he's got his own style and man i've loved this band for so long they're an australian band and at some point they got kind of smaller in the u.s and they had a couple albums that were only released in Australia. And so, like, I had to 
paid like 30 bucks to import one like 10 years ago. And after that, I was like, okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll not. I went to see him like five tours in a row, and then they kind of stopped coming, or I stopped hearing about it. I don't know. And so I, I hadn't heard any of their recent stuff at all. And this album came out, and I found it in my local record store, CD World. Shout out to CD World. And I was so happy, man. It's, um, it's not at all that. Like the last record I heard from them 10 years ago was about, it's a little more four on the floor kind of ACDC tempo. It's a little more about the lyrics and the songwriting than it was plain flashy. Man, to jump in on this record, it's called Wonder Bar. The album is so well written. This set of songs, I, I've played this album to death already, and uh, I just I can't get enough of it. The second track on the album, it's called Not Like the Other Boys. It reminded me a little bit of one of their earlier songs called Kid. You know, it's like the personification of, you know, the this Trump era that we're in. It's kind of a mellower rock song. You know, it's like Danny was a little different from the rest, not like the other boys. Uh, sitting out on his own in the schoolyard, away from the other boys. He just sat there dreaming, waiting for the bell, hoping to avoid all of the other boys. You know, and they kind of, it goes into the story where they corner him and, uh, you know, trying to get him to conform and, you know, like, uh, I don't know, man. It just, um, it, it really, uh, it really struck me as just an honest piece of, of writing. There's, there's even, uh, a couple songs on there that have classic hard hitting living in stuff, you know, faster rockabilly tempo on one of them. And then big, heavy guitars like roll on on another one. But, um, you know, overall, it's it's a band who's comfortable, and they're again, they're not out to prove anything. They're just in a good creative space, and 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 they're writing authentic rock and roll music. I did not expect a new Living End album this year, and when I heard it was coming, I did not expect I would be able to easily get a copy. And so, the fact that I got to uh, enjoy this so much is uh, is a pleasant surprise. So, that is my number one for the year. I appreciate anybody who has made it to the end with me. I look at other people's top tens and I'd be like, what the fuck music do you li I've never even heard of all this shit. Or I look at, and it's like all these fucking, you know, Drakes and Kendricks and, you know, it's like you're just listening to fucking just whatever the top 10 albums were this year. Like, I don't, I don't know. And for me, I'm the same kid as I was when I was fucking 14 years old. The same kind of shit moves me. I look for the same kind of shit sonically and lyrically that affected me back in, in that time in my life. You know, I, I still am very much that person. That's why I'm still listening to Pennywise and Smashing Pumpkins and the Boss Tones, you know, Blueprint and Sage Francis and The Living End. These are artists who have been a part of my life for 20 years, and, and I'm grateful they're still putting out music, but, uh, you know, some of them, you know, looking at you, Atmosphere, it's not the same. A lot of these guys are still putting out really quality records that I, I love, and I play the shit out of it, and so um, I think it was a great year for music. I still say the album I've listened to most is still Metallica's Hardwired from two years ago that was my number one i still listen to that more than anything but goddamn it's a great year for music a lot of these are going to stay in rotation for a very long time 
I can pretty much guarantee everything in this top 10 is going to stay in rotation. Uh, again, check out my friend Leo London. Check out my new album, Figures of Speech. Uh, it's available at take92.com. It's a double album featuring Casual, B. Dolan, Blueprint, a lot of the artists that we've talked about today, Jay Philly, Webb, a number of uh, talents that we've discussed on this list. You can get it on iTunes, Amazon. You can fucking pirate it on Spotify. They don't call it that anymore because it's legal. But, you know, follow me on there. I'm building up my catalog on Spotify now, begrudgingly, reluctantly. But here I am. I saw these end-of-the-year lists or posts from a lot of my friends. I got fucking hundreds of thousands of plays. Some of them have millions of plays on Spotify. I've shot myself in the foot by not allowing my music to be available on uh, that fucking piece of shit site uh, founded by the pieces of shit who uh, founded Napster and fucked up the music industry and ruined record stores and ruined the, the physical medium for fans like me. And that's why uh, these artists on my list, some of them have those little cheap fucking CDs because only the diehards like me are buying them. And I'm going, but I don't even listen to it because I forget that it's there. It's in this little fucking jacket thing, sleeve. Yeah, so that's thanks to the uh, guys behind Napster and Spotify. But um, I realize that people use it. If I am going to act as my own label, take 92 Music, I have to acknowledge that and get it out to people in the way that they consume music. So my music is on Spotify. There's a remixed and remastered version of Famous Last Words on there as well. And I'm working on remixed versions of Bears Repeating and Vacant Eyes. Vacant Eyes is done. Bears is half done. And, um, and I don't mean remixed as in different beats. I mean, I went back, pulled up the original files, and I did some tweaks based on how I like my shit to sound now versus how it sounded then. Just making little sonic improvements on all the stuff. Again, you can check out the new Famous Last Words version on Spotify right now. Of course, the new album figures of speech. I've got more videos up the sleeve and uh, you can catch me live January 20th with Casual here in Eugene at fucking Wild Something or Other Cider House Something or Other place where people fucking drink in the wit. I don't know. You, you could figure it out better than me. Anyway, thank you for listening. I have the next guest on this show booked. It's going to be the punk rock band Iced. They're from right here in Eugene. They're more popular than my band, Dead Fuck is Serious, and they are young and have friends. So we're going to hang out with uh, my coworker, Ellie, and her uh, boyfriend and songwriting partner, Jordan, and we're going to talk about the new Iced record on the next episode. So stay the fuck tuned. Grab a dancing bobblehead, a big dick boy, has a cards and top of it. Gold in 
than Dorset And I got a colleges What the hell happened to me, Polychronopolis? Yo, a hack-ass anonymous A fake for the moon landing Astronautalist, isn't it this? This the point of the wordplay Calling time out, I already told you we weren't playing My dick working like a burnt crayon But you ain't got one page to reverse worth saying Put you to shame like a faded flame It's so much of a game, got a maiden name, uh Your face, I'm gonna take the stage Put in every last record that I made the shame Little engine I could call me major pain Well you paid to play and always stayed the same Killing the session with bit of thunder again Feel the pressure like a pimple growing under the skin Second coming over stupid imposter Still on my guts like I'm puking or I'm looking a wampa Bandicoot bamboozled all your wet loser dudes Check your attitudes, I'm Shooting proper, you bought the farm Crash landing, no chance to cause alarm Should have fought like Mallow with the arsenic Show like suspension harnesses Sucking full like Nintendo cartridges uh. Got a nice start, but when I come in You'll fall apart like Dark Ball like Qui-Gon Chin I never fight my cuspid, not quite come in The fight's not in, you'll let them be my guns then My gun been in it thick and thin like my hairline Doing city to city just like an airline A wear fine like a man secretary And I put him down like a bad veterinarian Yo, one in and out, burger Bound to be heavy like a hardcover novel Better stop 